Hello, and welcome to another episode of I Just Want to Be Included. My name is Veronica Olson. I am so glad you joined us today. On today's episode, I continue my conversation with Lisa, who lost her child to Child Protective Services. And today she talks about the aftermath of that event, how she has gotten through daily life, what that's been like, the decisions she's had to make. So I encourage you to listen with an open heart and mind. Again, it takes a lot of courage and a lot of vulnerability to come and tell your story. As always, anything said on the show is not to be taken as professional advice. Everything stated is based on thoughts, opinions, and experiences that we have personally had. Please always seek professional help in your community for whatever issues you or your child might be facing. Enjoy the episode. Well, we have Lisa back with us um, to do part two um, when CPS gets involved. And yes. just a reminder, the first episode, you went through your story about Child Protective Services intervening and taking your 16-year-old out of the house. And so I encourage you to right. go back and listen to that episode where we walk through the story. And also Lisa's book, The Comeback Kid, yes. available on Amazon under yep. Lisa Marie King, right? Correct. Yep, absolutely. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to have you back. (laughs) All right. So today we're going to talk about kind of the aftermath of you go through this whole process of CPS taking the child away from your ex-husband. Right. You have to sign a paper kind of terminating your rights as parents. Correct. Right. And then you're kind of left with a different life because you cannot contact your daughter. Correct. Right. And, and I, um, I had to change the way that I thought about my existence, but you go through phases, you go through steps when you're going through grieving, the grieving process, excuse me, like that. You go through steps when you go through the grieving process. Right. You, um, and, you know, first it's shock. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, absolutely. It's, it's just, what, what in the world is going on? I don't even understand it. Like I said, I, I had thoughts after the phone call at 1230 at night that I know, you know, that I normally don't even have. I mean, right. I had thoughts to go to Taco Bell, even though I just stayed and it was 1230 at night and I never think like that. But right. then I also thought, well, you know, my ex-husband just sent me an email at one o'clock in the morning. Well, is he awake right now? Maybe he's not <laughs> awake. Yeah. He just sent me an email. Of course he's awake. But, you know, the, the normal things that you think about, like, well, people normally are asleep at one o'clock in the morning, so you're not going to bother them. Um, we're coinciding with the fact that, you know, Hey, I'm hungry. Let's go to Taco Bell. Well, no, right. I'm not hungry. I just need something to do. Right. <laughs> you know? I yeah. Just need absolutely. Some way of coping with this mess that my life all of a sudden had become. And the ironic part of it all too, was I thought things were getting better. Right. This happened when I actually thought that things were starting to improve with my relationship with my daughter. And then, of course, the bottom falls out of the boat and you're left floating around wondering, well, what are you going to do? You're grasping for anything. Right. That's why you think about Taco Bell at 12.30 in the morning. <laughs> right. And so what do you feel like the the initial struggle was? Obviously, you're in shock. Yeah. Kind of after that, what is the next thing you're hit with that you have to deal with emotionally? 
Um, well, I had had issues at work uh, that I won't get into, but uh, so there was also the issue of trying to let my boss know that, by the way, I'm going to have to be off on Friday right. and maybe Monday, maybe Tuesday. And <laughs> I don't know right. how many days I'm going to have to take off, but there's the issue of that. There's the issue of who do we tell and why do we tell them? Um, again, I did not right. tell my own mother for eight months. Um, and tell people and just very briefly why you made that decision, because I think that's important. Right. And my mother is uh, one of those people I wrote about in the book that uh, when, when God asked Gideon to do what God asked Gideon to do, God, Gideon's response to God was, I am the least, I'm the weakest of the least clan. You know, I'm the, the weakest of the, the, the least of the weakest clan, excuse me. And my response to God was pretty similar. I said, okay. you know, my mom, God, <laughs> you know, my mother, my mother is the biggest warrior that there is. I mean, I wrote in the book that if there was an Olympic sport of worrying, my mother would not be able to compete because she's the one that sets the bar. <laughs> yes. You, you judge other people as worrying by how well my mother, you know, how well they do it, by how my mom would do it. So my mother right. is the biggest warrior in the world. And the idea of my mom's hearing that she didn't, that we didn't know where Ella was, but she was okay, would not settle well with my mother at all. Right. And I was afraid that like my mother would do that she would call the courthouse over and over again or the social workers and try to figure out what she could figure out. And I figured that if she did that, they would be able to say, well, see, you are crazy because look at your mother. <laughs> right. We see the family the things, resemblance. Yeah. The apple doesn't <laughs> fall far from the tree. <laughs> right. So one of the things that they were saying about me was that I was insane, that I literally had a lot of mental problems that I could not function as a normal human being adult which is not true because i've been able to maintain jobs and you know apartment right. rents and pay my bills and i'm a citizen that uh, you know abides in society pretty well so um i did not want them to be proven proven right <laughs> i didn't right. want her to come in Absolutely. and make me look like i was crazy and then i could say see see <laughs> we're right you're nuts so, so hi yeah. How did you make the decision to tell people or not tell people? I have dealt with this as well in my life. And so when something happens and yeah. you're having to make a decision about who do I let in? Who do I tell? Obviously, you had reasons for not telling your mom. What else right. when you were approaching people? What was the thought process behind that? Um, it was basically a need-to-know basis. And for okay. me, my aunt is somebody that I needed to rely on because she was my rock. She is my rock. But especially at that time, she was somebody that I would call even in the middle of the night and say, yeah. my bottoms fell out of my boat, uh, falling out of my boat. Can you pick me up? Can you at least you know give me some reason to keep on breathing? Because you know, I didn't know what to do. Um, my father, who, of course, lives with my mother, and they are both married still, um, he was the one I told the very next, you know, as soon as I went into work the next day, because I went into work the very next day. I got the phone call at 12, 18 at night, went into work that Tuesday morning, same wow. day. So, and that's how I am. You know me from, from being a kid. I have to be busy. If yeah. I was to just stay home, I would have just fallen apart. You wouldn't know, know what, what to do. Right, exactly. So I told my father on the way to work, I called him and use my Bluetooth and, you know, was safe about it. But I called my father and told him on the way to work because I wanted to make sure that he knew because he talks to Ella almost daily. Okay. So, 
he needed to know that there's some reason why she's not calling. There was going to be a change. Right. In that relationship. Yeah. Right. And I didn't think that she was going to reach out to him. And I've been absolutely correct about that. She has not reached out to him even at mm-hmm. all. So, yeah. um, you know, she hasn't reached out to any of us. And I'm sure that her not reaching out to my father has a lot to do with the fact that she doesn't want to talk to us. So she doesn't want to talk to me. Just cut everybody off from right. that family. So dad needed, needed to know. So he would not think there was something wrong with my daughter. Um, well, <laughs> there might be something wrong with my daughter, but <laughs> she wasn't, right. you know, unsafe. Right. She was fine. And my father could take it, although, you know, you can only stress a person so much. And I felt bad yeah. about giving him that stress load and telling him, don't tell mom. <laughs> don't tell my mom, whatever you do. And right. That's a huge promise. decision. That's a huge decision to make. Yeah. And, and I pray to God almost all the time to tell me when should I tell her yeah Uh, what we did tell her was when it got closer to Christmas we told her that or I told her that she was living that Ella was living with a friend from high school which ironically actually was true the foster parents happened to be the parents of one of her best friends okay so um I told my mother she's living with a friend Uh, please don't send anything for Christmas because okay because we can't get it to Ella so right. that's what we told my mom. Okay. And so that that was the way we handled Christmas. And then, okay. like I said, in January, we had a tragedy that happened to a friend of my mother's, a young woman who was like her second daughter. And I called my mom the very next day and asked if she was okay. And she said, um, is Brian talking to this girl's parents? And I said, I think so, mom, why? And she said... I just want to make sure that Ella hasn't said anything about Brian that isn't true. And oh, that was the key from that God was the door. to me. God is saying, okay, go ahead and tell her. And it was right. funny, Veronica, because you know me, I was getting to the point where I was driving around, talking to her like I always do. And I was almost home. <laughs> I had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> right. Yep. I was like, well, but let's keep on talking because now she knows She's suspecting something that maybe Ella is smart enough to say things about Brian that were not true. Right. And all I had to say was, Mom, she already has. Okay. <laughs> and that opened the floodgate, and I told her all about the court, and I told her all about the fact that we all had attorneys. I told her everything. And it felt really good to clean out my system, you know, to just Absolutely. get it out there. Absolutely. But I had to be very careful about what I told her when I told her because of the fact that I knew that God was in control of this and God was telling me it's not time yet. It's just not time yet. So that's, that's the part that the faith comes into. That's where the faith comes in. You have to try to find a way to keep yourself going every day and keep that faith. And it's a daily struggle. It's not something that, Oh, I'm sure. There's no magic pill. There's no formula. It's not like exercise where you just do this and it, it keeps on getting easier. I mean, some days are very hard. And even now, I've, I've it's been over six years since the court case and the phone call and everything like that. But I have days where I still have a hard time just getting out of bed. Sure. So, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and that's what this, this show is about. This podcast is about being real with ourselves. I mean, we're not trying to sell any kind of formula because there isn't any. (laughs) no no there's not it's just about community um 
the way that I'd gotten through this is, of course, the strength of my family and friends and my faith. But you have to keep that faith and those relationships nurtured. You have to keep nurturing them yourself yes. as a person. You can't, yes. you can't expect that it's going to just happen. I mean, at first, I would just sit on my couch every or my lazy boy chair every Saturday, Friday night and just watch TV. And then mm-hmm. I had friends that said, you need to come out with us. Yeah. And I decided, you know, I need to go to the winery. I had a winery that was local that I go to on Friday nights, not to get drunk, but to just have the social environment. Yep. And the people that own it are just like family. So, okay. I have two families. I have the, my, my church family and my winery family. Which is kind of <laughs> that's awesome. But you know, that's yeah, awesome. that's, that's it's what's your community. It's your community. My community, right. And that's what's kept me going. You need to find a community. Yes. And keep so going. Let, let's talk about, and me, you and I have talked about this because it's something I have dealt with as well, grieving something or someone who is still alive. This yeah. idea that she's very much alive, mm-hmm. but she's been taken out of your home and you are not allowed legally to have any contact with her. You can't know what she's doing. You are completely shut off. So you've right. lost your child for all intents and purposes. How do you even begin to grieve somebody that is still, you know, probably an hour away from you or, you know, not that far away from you right? realistically, but that you can have no contact with? Yeah, I've, I've done a little bit of research on this, and I, I meant to do more before we start talking, and we'll do more in future episodes. We can talk about it more. But there's a thing called um, ambiguous grief, and uh, it's one of those things that people go through when, for example, you have a parent that has Alzheimer's or dementia, and they are still them, but they're not the same them that you grew up with. They're not the mom or dad or a person that you knew when they were younger and you were younger, right? Um, they yeah. are different, but they're still here. Yeah. Um, my loss with, with my daughter, Ella, is that she's gone, but she isn't. She's made me dead to her. So in that way, she's dead to me. And she's not dead to me because I don't love her. She's dead to me because she doesn't want anything to do with me. And so in that way, she's gone, but she isn't. She, she's dead but she's alive she's alive but she isn't uh there's so many things that it's not just you know this is the way that it is it's black and white everything is ambiguous it's right it well you still have to do a holidays yeah holidays you have birthdays you have a high mm-hmm. school graduation you have all these life events that right. have then to I... hit you hard when you can't celebrate them the way you would want to celebrate them Right. I remember, um, you know, and I wrote it in the book that when she moved out with her father, she did not want me to attend her eighth grade graduation. Well, we were still in contact, obviously, uh, because she was only, what, 14 years old at the time. Or no, she was 12. Whenever, <laughs> whenever yeah. age children are in middle eight. school. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, yeah, eighth grade graduation. She did not want me to attend it. And I mean, it would have taken me a while to get there. I probably would have even had to take a day off, but I would have taken a week off. I would have paid a thousand dollars or whatever I needed to do right. to go see her graduate. And she begged me not to go. She begged me not to go. And I had a friend that said, Lisa, you need to go for you. And I said to him, don't worry. 
I will come. To, I will go to the high school graduation. Come hell or high water, I'll be at the high school graduation. <laughs> and right. I said that to him, and um, you know, I, I wrote my book that well, I guess hell and high water had both come because <laughs> I <laughs> I couldn't be there, and I ended up going out to my to the winery that night of her graduation from high school because I had to again find my community. Uh, there's times when you have to tell yourself you're not allowed to stay home tonight. <laughs> Because yeah, I know yeah. what you'll do. You'll just sit, I'll sit there and cry. I would just have yeah. fallen apart. Just like the day after I got the phone or the day of the phone call. I always call it the day after. You know how you, you call it the same day, even though it's morning when you haven't slept yet. So time doesn't um, really mean much, you know, when you go through those yeah. kind of events. Right. All kind of right. blurs. So I, I went to work when I got the phone call. I went to my winery when it was her graduation because I needed to be away from myself, if that makes sense, away from where I would just be alone and yeah. with other people who could help me to find a path to normalcy for me, a, sure. a, a distraction from what was going on. And what was going on in my mind was I wanted to be able to scream and cry and say, this isn't fair. Mm -hmm. I gave birth to this child who is now graduating from high school or college or wherever they're graduating from. And I can't go. I can't be there. Right. Well, for reasons that I won't get into. I mean, I, I honestly thought I probably would have gotten arrested if I would have gone to the graduation. <laughs> I did not yeah. go to the graduation. At you were all. not allowed to be there. It wasn't an option. No, it was not an option. And, um, but getting back to the ambiguous loss, I, I kind of feel like people go through that even when they have teenage children. Um, I remember my daughter when she was even 10, 11 years old. She was not the same kid she was when she was younger. Yeah. So she could be sitting on the couch, but she wasn't my Ella that I remember when she was a little girl. Yeah. She was this different person that I don't know how she got and you there. Don't know, you don't know if you like him or not <laughs> on some days. Right. No, I, I most of the time I didn't, honestly. I, I knew yeah. that she hated me, so it's hard to like somebody that doesn't like you, right? You don't yeah. usually find yourself being too kind to people that are like, oh, I hate you. I could kill you, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. So that was difficult. It, it was hard to come to grips with that because, and I, I knew that in personally, I didn't have the tools within myself, within my personality to deal with the kind of personality that Ella was. Emma was a storm to be reckoned with, even yeah. long before she became my storm. <laughs> you know, um, in my book, I actually have a chapter called The Storm. And right. before the storm hit, and that was what I called the phone call, obviously. That was my biggest storm of my life to date. Um, I'm sure there's probably another one coming along eventually, but that'll be another book. <laughs> <laughs> more uh, material. More material, right, exactly. So... She she was a storm in my life for a long time. I, I said to a friend the other day, I said that she was the thorn in my side and the joy of my life and, and the same person. And that's, again, ambiguous, right? Yeah. <laughs> she's She's been my, my biggest weakness and my uh, greatest joy. Yeah. She's been the, the thing that has caused me the most pain by far. Yeah. And the most love, the most joy that I've ever experienced. I mean, falling, falling in love with your child, becoming a parent, is, is something that there's nothing like it. There's absolutely nothing like holding absolutely. your baby. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and when they become a teenager, you, you miss that, that bond that you had. 
Yeah. I used to be her world. I used to be the one that she would get all excited about when yeah. she came home and or when I came home and she was there and she'd go, Mama, Mama. Yeah. Yep, I know. And then when you became a teenager, she when she became a teenager, she was like, What the hell do you want? You know, right. <laughs> Why are you here? Well, <laughs> I live here. Um, <laughs> I was hoping I could come home. <laughs> you know. Right. <laughs> so one thing you say in the book that really struck me about grief was the grief will have no place to go if you try to hang on to someone who clearly does not want anything to do with you. So at some point you really had to make a decision because you were grieving. Yeah. But like, what can you do with it? What can you do with that grief? If the other, you know, part of that is not going to not interested in reconciliation or, you know, mending any of those fences. Well, that sounds pretty intelligent. It's <laughs> a pretty, pretty good thing to say. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I came up with that on my own or I was quoting somebody else. But it's quoted from your book, so. <laughs> yeah. um, well, thank you very much. Uh, the the thing that I was, I believe I was referring to with that statement is that I couldn't keep holding on to the, and that's part of the ambiguous loss, right? You have to become, get to a point where you realize things are different and they are yeah. not going to go back to the way that they were before. She's yes. not going to go back to that little girl that loved to hang it and to sit in my lap and read a book with me. Not when she's 13, 14, 15 years old, right? She's just not yeah. going to do that. Yeah. yeah. That's that not going to be the over. way it's going to be. Yeah. That time is over. Um, so with, with the grieving, you have to be able to move on to, and that's where my faith came in too. I had to learn how to understand that God had a different path for me than I had for me. Yeah. And that his way, believe it or not, is going to be better than the way that I had figured out for myself, right? Yeah. I mean, Romans 8.28, I believe it is, says that um, all things are coming together for the good of those that love the Lord according to his purpose. Right. And I I write about that in my book, too. And it doesn't mean that you're going to have everything you want. Because if I had everything I wanted... You're more likely not to have everything you want. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if I had everything I wanted, I wouldn't have written the book. I would have had a, a life where I was still a very codependent person, big house, you know, SUV, you know, kind of kind of the same way that everyone dreams about, I guess, you know. But um, I had to let go of the vision that I had for my life. I had to realize there's something different out there, and it's not going to be worse than my vision. It's going to take me a while to find out that it's better. Yeah. Or at least that it's it's doable as well. And that's where I um, had to... I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. That's okay. No, I've dealt with that too. Where you have to let go of what you think should be or what you want to be and trust right. that God has something different and better. And it might not look right. pretty on the right. way there. And it's probably not going to be easy. But right. God does have something else. Right. That's the not only way you're going to easy to you know think about in the moment but that's the truth right and the only way that you're going to get better is if you let go of what you I know if you can okay so anyway um we were saying that i was saying that um the only way that things are going to get better is if you can let go of what you had already envisioned for your life and yeah i had to let go of the fact that she was not going to be or let go of the fact that I thought that she was going to be somebody that loved me for my entire life. And 
the only way I could become normal and again is to, to figure out how to let go of what I thought she was going to be. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> You're fine. So one other thing, talk a little bit about on your book. And I think as parents, most of us have experienced in some way, shape or form is advice from other well-meaning people. When other people find out that you're dealing with this, that your child's doing this or acting that way or making that decision, people tend to want to jump in and tell you, oh, but you should, or why don't you, or how did that? And talk a little bit about how you dealt with that. It's really easy to jump in and say, why don't you write to her? Why don't you send her things? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do right. that? Right, because what they're doing is, again, they're trying to put the normal thoughts that they have about their lives into the situation that I'm going through. Well, a normal exactly. kid would want to find out that the parent loves them. You know, that the, whatever they can do to show love, they want to be able to find that out. They want to be yeah. able to not find that out, but they want to be able to have those signs. A, a normal relationship is like that. At least that's what we think. I mean, we, we all have been teenagers at least once in our lives. Yes, and, yes, we um, have. <laughs> You know, we've dealt with teenagers, so teenagers are a different animal than the most people envision children to be like. But right. Um, well, and I think too that you know, I hear a lot of people talk about how you know, well, when we had teenagers, when I was a teenager, and they lose sight of the fact that what the current generation is dealing with is very different than what you dealt with growing up. Right. Right. It just is. You know, and mm -hmm. you can compare it to whatever, but there's a difference there. And so as a parent, when you're making decisions, you have to look at things in the context of the here and now, right? right. You can't look back and say, well, this is what I did 30 years ago. Great. Yeah. <laughs> you know? right. But you don't understand what the kids are dealing with right here, right now. And what is at my doorstep or inside my house. That's well, my starting place. I think everything we go through has its its pros and cons, its benefits and its, you know, shortcomings. And the benefit of what I've been through, which is something I would not wish on my worst enemy, um, is that, again, my faith has been strengthened. My sense of community has been strengthened because I rely on my community. And my sense of being able to trust myself and my instincts has been strengthened a lot. I mean, a lot of people have said to me, Lisa, you're not the same person that you were before all this mess happened. You're actually right. stronger. You know, yeah. um, you've known me for a long time. I don't know if it shows or not, but I can't see it because it's like, you know, when you live with your child, people will say, oh, they've gotten so big. You're like, really? I didn't, I didn't notice. Yeah. Yeah. But it's made me trust myself. And when people would say things like, you need to send her cards every day. I wouldn't say to them, look, lady, I, I don't even know where she is. I can't send her a card because I, they won't tell me her address because they're afraid I'm going to go find her. You know, I, I don't know what they're afraid I would do. I mean, I would probably just hug her until she, I would hug, yep. her. I would hug her until she said, mom, I have to go to the bathroom. And I'd be like, right. okay, let's go together. I'm not letting you go. And that's one of the things I'm ironically you know, wondering when she comes back into my life am I going to be able to hug her and like oh because I'm going to be like okay let's move together to the bathroom yeah she'll be pulling my arms off of me you know people will be like get off of her <laughs> she needs you to stop lying here <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I'm not when you're on my side again <laughs> yeah but I think as a parent there is this balance and it's something I've had to deal with where 
you want to, you know, let other people say what they're thinking and feeling. Right. However, you need to know inside that you know the situation better than anybody else. And right. ultimately, what you feel internally, you know, what your gut is telling you is, is ultimately right. the best thing. And not to let other people talk you into doing something that you and your core feel like that is, I understand what you're saying, but that is not the right way to go. I just know it's not. And you're going to have to trust me. You know, I appreciate the thought and I appreciate the concern, but right. this is a path we're on and this is what I feel like we have to do. Right. And usually what I say is, um, yeah, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Thanks. I'll keep that in mind. I'll think yeah. about that. I'll, I'll, yeah. And of course I, I do think about it, but that's not anything that I can do. And, and to reach out to people that are going through a strange bit, because to me, it's becoming more and more of a phenomenon every day. I'm part of yeah. two Facebook groups and I, I, I read people's posts and I've posted my own posts in there. Um, one lady was asking about emotions, for example, is it okay to be angry? Uh, I'm angry. I'm not sad anymore. She said, I'm angry. I'm not sad anymore. I'm angry. I'm mad. Right. But this person that I raised, that I did everything for, doesn't seem to even give a crud about me anymore. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't care absolutely. if I was, you know, lying here dying or if I was having the, the best time of my life. They would care less. Um, so that's something that you deal with, too, is the different emotions that you go through. Um, but you do have to deal with, like you said, the fact that people are going to tell you, well, she's, people tell me now, all the time now, she's 22 now. You can go ahead and talk to her. You can reach out to her. You can contact her. And I say, yeah, that's, I could. I could do that. I'm not going to. <laughs> right. I am working on her schedule. And the things I've seen, even like I said, on these two Facebook groups um, that I'm part of for estranged parents and you can look them up and there's there's kind of some helpful stuff in them and there's a little bit of negative stuff in that too, but it helps you to see that you are actually in a decent situation, even if you have no contact at all with your child, because they go, a lot of parents go through very negative things where the kid will say stuff that's just, and I shouldn't call them kids, they're adults, but they don't act like it. Sure, <laughs> sure. Um, they will say things that are just so hurtful and so negative and so mean. Yeah. Um, nobody deserves to live with that every day. You need to try to find the positive things in life, um, even if it means you have to give up being with somebody that you love at the moment. Yeah. And, you know, like I've said before, the, the, the person I miss the most with my daughter, to be quite honest, is the younger kid that's not even there anymore. Yeah. That, that ambiguous loss, the kid that is gone, is the one I miss the most. Right. And she's never going to be back, even if, the, even if my daughter walked through the door and sat down on my couch. She will never be the, the child that I've missed the most. Right. And you've talked now, about having dreams where you dream about Ella, but it's yeah. only in a certain context, age-wise. Right. Right. If she's, if, if we, it always seems to her, turn out this way, Veronica, that if, she and I communicate with each other. If we are able to speak to each other and able to, to, to interact with her, which I love these dreams the best. Uh, she's always young. She's always like a toddler. It's weird. Sometimes she starts out as a baby and she turns into a toddler before the, I wake up, before the end of the dream. Yeah. But if I can't talk to her, or if she's older, I can't talk to her. It's yeah. like I, 
One time I had a dream that I was at the mall. I mean, why in the world would I go? I don't go to the mall anyway. I don't like the mall. <laughs> <laughs> I only went to the mall because she liked to go to the mall. So, again, it's a place that reminds me of my daughter, and, and sometimes that's just too much to bear. I don't have any business in the mall anyway. I don't need to shop. Everything's online now, right? So Amazon yeah. is your friend, and that's yep. the way I live my life. <laughs> Amazon Fresh and as, Amazon Prime. As most of us do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I never leave my house. <laughs> Who am I kidding? So to go to the mall when my daughter was home, and she's always home with my mother too, which is kind of ironic because she hated my mom <laughs> for, yeah. for reasons that we won't get into here. Um, but she she's always at home with my mother, and I'm always trying to get to her, or I can't I can't hear her. Like I one dream I had, she was walking with people, and she was so far away I couldn't hear what she was saying. She couldn't hear me, and I'm. Like shouting to her, Ella, 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 it's me, it's your mom, you know. And she just ignored me, <laughs> didn't yeah. uh, didn't say anything to me. So I, it, it's different to to think about it like that. Like I said, it's um, it's an ambiguous loss. It's yeah. an ambiguous loss. The 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 best way to deal with it is something I'm still figuring out. We're, we're all just figuring it sure. out. And I think sure. giving yourself the ability to be right for a change is something that's very important too. Um, like I said, people will tell me you should contact her. You should reach out to her. Well, don't, don't go by what other people say. If you're going through an estrangement, you know what's best for your child. Yeah. And Honestly, like I said, going through estrangement myself, um, I would rather her not talk to me at all than be as cruel as some of the posts I've seen on this this website where sure. people are just getting hurt so bad by their children. That's not right. That's not fair. It's not good. Yeah. So it's better to live a life of peace with a little bit of, uh, you know, I'm sure I, I, I grieve her every day. But it's better to live a life of peace than to live a life of um, hurt and anguish in that way. Yeah. In the book, then, you, you just to quote the book, you say, every day I lived in expectation, I lost a little bit of peace. You can't yeah. live in expectation of something that might possibly happen. Right. And that's the way that I lived when she was, before she turned 18. You know, we always have this idea in our heads that, the social services system spits them out at 18, right? So she's going to be left on the street. She's not going to have to go. She's going to be all on her own. And she's going to come crying back to me, right? She's going to come back. She's going to come back. And I'm going to have to figure out where she's going to stay with me and how we're going to do this. And I kept thinking in my mind, okay, when she gets back here, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? Expecting that that would be the way it would happen when she turned 18. Right. Well, the day that she turned 18 came and went. <laughs> And there was no contact. There was no call. There was no, I, I need to see you. There was nothing from her social workers. It was just, she's fine and don't contact her. You know, she doesn't want to see you. She's adamant about not wanting to see you. Yeah. And that's got to be hard to accept that. It's got to be very right. hard to accept that. So uh, there's there's a fine line between expectation and, and hope. And hope is good, a good thing. Hope is you know, to quote some movies, hope is the best thing, right? Shawshank yeah. Redemption has a line about that, where hope is one of the best things that there is. Sure. Um, 
but expectation can be a killer. Like I said in my book, it, it's something that you can't expect something, but you can always hope that it will happen. Um, my expectation, honestly, is that she probably will never come back to my life. Okay. And um, my hope is, of course, that she will. Yeah. But the expectation is that I can see my daughter, Ella, having such a strong resolve that she's just never going to change. I, I can picture Ella doing that. Right. Uh, because I, I remember the little girl that she was, the, the person that she was when she was a child who had this strong resolve with, this is how it's going to be. I don't care how you want it to be. This is how I want it. And this is the way it's going to be. So yeah. she was like that as a kid. And she's, she's obviously figured out life so far along. And uh, my hand's off to the kid, honestly, because if she can figure yeah. out how to live in California, I mean, you know, wherever <laughs> she is, you know, even if she has like 12 roommates or whatever she has, I mean. She's making it happen. Right. I, I've often said to my parents, you know, she's, I, I don't know where she is. I hope she's doing okay. I hope she's living okay. And they, they'll say, Lisa, she's probably living better than you. I mean, <laughs> I'm like, well, you're probably right. <laughs> I'm sure the kid figured it out better than I did, you know. Right. Because like, like I said, at the last um, session we had that uh, she, by the time she was four, she was a little bit smarter than me. And I'm sure she's right. probably much smarter than me now. <laughs> and she I do have a degree. She probably has all kinds of connections in Hollywood. Sure, yeah. You know, I mean, she's probably doing very well for herself, and amen to that. I mean, that's, of course, even as a parent, that is a strange. That's what you want. That's the best thing that we can yeah. hope for for our children is that they're doing well. Absolutely. So one final thought that I wanted to touch on, and you, I think you touched on it earlier while you were today, is changing what normal is. And yeah. I think COVID kind of did us a disservice because everyone kept saying new normal and yeah. made it like a, and a term no one wanted to hear, <laughs> right? It turned into no. like a negative thing. Don't tell me that. But right. I like how you, your home has changed. Your life has changed right. indefinitely. I've been through that. And you have to change what normal is to you to move on. You just do. Right. And you make a point of saying, there is no time to waste with negativity. I have to move forward with love and peace and gratefulness. But that's a conscious decision yeah. to make on your part as a parent. Things have changed. Right. I don't necessarily like it. It doesn't matter whether I like it or not, right? But I'm moving forward. And I see that being negative is just not going to be productive or helpful or even healthy for me as I right. move forward. Yeah, exactly. And um, I think I would like to add to that too, that you have to allow yourself. I mean, there's no time to waste with negativity, but I, I'm not telling you that I'm never negative. Oh, <laughs> I yeah. have my yeah. moments where I just fall down and, and everything right. is terrible. And I might as well just, you know, jump into a hole and just not, not ever come out. Right. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you don't have rough days. Right. It's just your overall vision and goal is not to stay there, even if you feel right. that way. But I, I think the biggest disservice we do to ourselves is that we do not allow ourselves to feel those negative feelings and those negative moments that we have to just, let, we have to let them go. We have to be able to, to feel them and, and allow ourselves to have those times to cry and let it out and just just have a good cry. I, there's sure. times that, um, you know, I've literally just fallen apart. 
I, yeah. I read about that in the book as well, where I have just literally fallen apart. And, uh, you know, one day I found the paper that I had from the court, from when the, the one of the reports from our case, I found it in my bag. I was putting out my bag and watching a, t- a TV show and the song that I wanted to sing to my, I, I had a song that I sung to her when she was a baby. And the song I would sing to her as a teenager, if she would let me sing to her, would be Come Talk to Me by Peter Gabriel. Yeah. And the song was on this TV show. And, uh, you know, the lines are basically, if you come talk to me, we can unlock this misery. Yeah. And we can, you know, I can I can imagine the moment that's breaking out through the silence, all the things that we both might say. And the hard day will not be denied until we're both on the same damn side. Yeah. All the barriers are blown away. Please come talk to me. And that yeah. was something when I found that note, I just happened to find the note when the song was playing at the very same time. And like I'm doing right now, it just made me well up with tears. And yeah, absolutely. All I could do was I just started screaming and slapping this darn report on the ground, yeah. beating it over and over again, saying, I can't do this anymore, God. You have to make this stop. You have to make this stop. Right. I, I don't have this. I can't do this. And that was only in September of 2017. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. We've, we've been, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. Um, and I could feel the Lord. Sometimes you could just feel somebody that you know, either the Lord or, you know, a, a relative or somebody that's going on before us standing there with you. And right. once I finally got done and I wrote in the book that I wiped off my face I, I let my hair dry out its own because that's how much I I was crying and my hair was actually wet. Yeah. Um, and I could feel God saying to me, you have to give me a little more. Can you just give me a little more? And I literally said, wow, to nobody there. Um, yes, God, I'll give you a little more. And that's when you realize that I realized this is not going to happen on my terms, it's not right. going to be done when I want it to be done. It's going to be done when the good Lord says it's done. Yeah. And this is something that I'm going to have to deal with every day. Yeah. It never ends. It doesn't stop. Time heals nothing. Time doesn't make it like it doesn't exist. I've actually had friends that have said to me, well, doesn't I used to get a report card when she was in high school. Right. And of course, she didn't live with me. She lived with her father while she was going most of the time she was going to high school. And I would get report cards and I had friends that would say, well, doesn't that, um, doesn't it make you sad to get a report card? Isn't it too much of a reminder? And I felt like saying with all due respect, <laughs> it's not like she's, you know, something that I forgot, forgot about. You don't wake up one day and go, right. Do I have a kid? I, I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You know, and I was, yeah, I was still going to school. So, um, it was, it was one of those things where you, you, I came to the realization, I don't know why I keep saying you, I came to the realization where I had to keep on just letting myself grieve, realizing that there's going to be days, like you said, holidays, her birthday. I mean, how do you not get sad and emotional when you realize that Christmas was Ella's favorite holiday? We had a Christmas tree up in her room in July because wow. she liked to have a little Christmas tree. 
Yeah. And I said, fine. What the heck? Yeah, I don't care if you have a tree up. You can have a, yeah. two trees up. Whatever you want. We could have a huge tree up. I don't care. Yeah. She actually at one point made a, had Christmas lights on her wall that she put into the shape of a Christmas tree. It was kind of oh, wow. cute. <laughs> so she loved Christmas. And yeah. now Christmas songs kind of make me cringe a little bit. Especially right. some of them. You know, it makes That's me understandable. Sad. Yeah. Um, it's hard to listen to that sometimes. So that never there's no formula like i said there's nothing that's going to ever help me get over that and go oh yeah christmas is great i love christmas now i still have that in the back of my mind that she and i are not together at christmas time which makes it difficult for me but the one thing i will say about the time is that it makes i've become stronger sure i my faith in god has become stronger my relationship with God has become stronger. So it's not just faith. It's a relationship with this sure, entity absolutely. we call God, right? We have yeah. to have that relationship. I, I feel like he is in my life in a way that's kind of like my dad. You know, yeah. he's, he's literally my heavenly father, right? That's what we call him. Yeah, and I can relate to that. Yeah. You know, I've often joked with people. In fact, I, I made the mistake one time of making a joke with my mother and my mom didn't get it. But I've joked with people that once I get to heaven, I'm going to have coffee time with my dad. <laughs> and um, my mom thought I meant my, my physical father, my, right. my biological father. She's like, yeah, I'm sure you'll be able to find your dad somewhere up there. Like, no, I meant God. I meant my heavenly father, God. I'm going to have coffee time with my dad. We're going to sit in the best coffee house there is. And we're going to have coffee for 30 minutes, which, you know, a thousand years is like a day. And a day is like a thousand years. So it'll be like 30 years. And I'm going to ask him a few things. I would love to sit and have coffee with Jesus. <laughs> I would love that. Here are my questions. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Just explain it to me. I'm sorry, what? But I couldn't see. Right. Explain to Can you me imagine what I couldn't see on earth. Yeah. Can you imagine the kind of coffee we'd have up in heaven, too? I bet it's going to be the best oh. stuff ever. It's going to be tasty. I'm sure. It's not going to make you too hyper, and it's not going to hurt your stomach. You can eat, drink it all day long. <laughs> Just give me a river of that stuff. I, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Coffee and pie. Coffee and Coffee pie. Coffee and pie. Yeah, that's our, our thing. <laughs> that is our thing. We should make a podcast called Coffee and Pie. <laughs> Coffee and pie. That would be good. Yeah. All right. Well, I really appreciate you sharing this story with us, Lisa. Um, I know it's not an easy one. No. But <laughs> I think it'll be beneficial to a lot of people who have gone through similar things and thank you Veronica. we will have you back because we have lots of other things to talk about you have lots of parenting experience before you went through this situation Good and bad. <laughs> yeah well and we all do right right we all do I, we all have that i've often joked with people that i'm the poster child of what not to do but i have learned some things <laughs> to yeah to, uh, absolutely as well yeah and mistakes. we all have yeah. We all have, and that's why we're doing this. We need to be able to share and say, this happened. I would go back and do it differently if I could. Sure. I can't, but just for anyone else's benefit, <laughs> this was not right. the right way to handle it. Most of us have right. those stories, right? Absolutely. And, and hopefully our mistakes could be somebody else's lesson. You know. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thank you so much, Lisa. And I appreciate the time and the vulnerability for sharing and we will have you on again. Thank you, Veronica. Have a great day. You too. 
Thank you so much for joining us today. And a big thank you to my friend Lisa for sharing her story. Even though that's not an easy thing to do, we truly appreciate your honesty and your transparency. Join me next week. I have another very special guest, and I think you'll benefit from hearing what they have to say. Hang in there. We're all doing the best we can. Have a good week. Thank you.